Walk three, chapter ten of the history of Sir Richard Calmedy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty. The History of Sir Richard Calmedy by Lucas Mallet. Book three, chapter ten. Mr. Ludovic Quayle among the prophets. That same luncheon party at Brockhurst if not notably satisfactory to the hosts afforded much subsequent food for meditation to one at least of the guests during the evening immediately following it and even in the watches of the night lady louisa barking's thought was persistently engaged with the subject of richard calmedy his looks his character his temper his rent-roll the acreage of his estates and his prospects generally nor did her interest remain hidden and inarticulate for finding that in various particulars her knowledge was superficial and clearly insufficient on her journey from westchurch up to town next day in company with her brother ludovic she put so many questions to that accomplished young gentleman that he shortly divined some serious purpose in her inquiry we all recognise my dear louisa he remarked presently laying aside the day's times of which he had vainly essayed the study with an air of gentle resignation crossing his long legs and leaning back in his corner of the railway carriage that you are the possessor of an eminently practical mind you have run the family for some years now not without numerous successes among which may be reckoned your running of yourself into the arms if you will pardon my mentioning them of my estimable brother-in-law barking really ludovic his sister protested oh let me entreat you not to turn restive louisa mr quayle rejoined with the utmost suavity i am paying a high compliment to your intelligence to have run into the arms of mr barking or indeed of anybody else casually and involuntarily to have blundered into them if i may so express myself would have been a stupidity but to run into them intentionally and voluntarily argues considerable powers of strategy an intelligent direction of movement which i respect and admire you are really exceedingly provoking ludovic lady louisa pushed the square leather-covered dressing-case on which her feet had been resting impatiently aside oh far from it the young man answered can i put that box anywhere else for you you like it just where it is yes but i assure you i am not provoking i am merely complimentary conversation is an art louisa none of my sisters ever can be got to understand that it is dreadfully crude to rush in waist-deep at once there should be feints and approaches you should nibble at your sugar with a graceful coyness you should cut a few frills and skirmish a little before setting the battle actively in array and it's just this that i've been striving to do during the last five minutes but you do not appear to appreciate the commendable style of my preliminaries you want to engage immediately there is usually a first-rate underlying reason for your interest in anybody again the lady shifted the position of the dressing-case to the right 
inquired mr quayle extending his hand his head a little on one side and his long neck directed forward while he regarded first his sister and then the dressing-case with infuriating urbanity no let us come to hecuba then let us dissemble no longer but put it plainly what o oh, louisa what are you driving at in respect of my very dear friend dicky carmody now it was unquestionably most desirable for her to keep on the fair weather side of mr quayle just then yet the flesh is weak lady louisa barking could not control a movement of self-justification she spoke with dignity and severely it is all very well for you to say those sort of things ludovic oh, what sort of things he inquired mildly but i should be glad to know what would have become of the family by now unless someone had come forward and taken matters in hand of course one gets no thanks for it one never does get any thanks for doing one's duty however wearing it is to oneself and however much others profit but somebody had to sacrifice themselves mamma is unequal to any exertion and you know what papa is oh i do i do murmured mr quayle raising his gaze piously to the roof of the railway carriage if he has one of the boys to tramp over the country with him at whitney and one of the girls to ride with him in london he is perfectly happy and content he is alarmingly improvident he would prefer keeping the whole family at home doing nothing save laughing at his jokes my father craves the support of a sympathetic audience oh, and shot over is worse than useless ah except to the guileless israelite he is absolutely true louisa guy would never have gone into the army when he left eton unless i had insisted upon it and it was entirely through barking's influence at my representation of course that eddie got a berth in that liverpool cotton-broker's business i'm sure alicia is very comfortably married i know george winterbottom is not the least interesting but he is perfectly gentlemanlike and presentable and so on and he makes her a most devoted husband and from what mr barking heard the other day at the club from somebody or other i forget who but someone connected with the government you know there is every probability of george getting that permanent under-secretaryship did i not start by declaring you had achieved numerous successes ludovic inquired yet we stray from the point louisa for do i not still remain ignorant of the root of your sudden interest in my friend dicky carmody and i thirst to learn how you propose to work him into the triumphant development of our family fortunes the proportions of lady louisa's small mouth contracted still further into an expression of great decision while she glanced at the landscape reeling away from the window of the railway carriage in the past twelve hours autumn had given place to winter the bare hedges showed black while the fallen leaves of the hedgerow trees formed unsightly blotches of sodden brown and purple upon the dirty green of the pastures over all brooded an opaque grey-brown sky sullen and impenetrable lady louisa saw all this but she was one of those persons happily for themselves unaffected by such abstractions as the aspects of nature her purposes were immediate and practical she followed them with praiseworthy persistence 
the landscape merely engaged her eyes because she preferred just now looking out of the window to looking her brother in the face something must be done for the younger girls she announced i feel pretty confident about emily's future we need not go into that maggie if she marries at all and she really is very useful at home in looking after the servants and entertaining and so on if she marries at all she will marry late she has no particular attractions as girls go her figure is too solid and she talks too much but she will make a very presentable middle-aged woman sensible dependable and an excellent menagere certainly she had better marry late oh a mature clergyman when she is rising forty a widowed bishop for instance mm, yes i approve that mr quayle rejoined reflectively it is well conceived louisa we must keep an eye on the bench and carefully note any episcopal matrimonial vacancy bishops have a little turn i observe for marrying somebody who is somebody especially en seconde noce good men yes it is well thought of with careful steering we may bring maggie to anchor in a palace yet maggie is rather dogmatic she would make not half a bad mrs proudie so she is disposed of and then for a few seconds the lady held silent converse with herself at last she addressed her companion in tones of unwonted cordiality you are by far the most sensible of the family ludovic she began and in a family so renowned for intellect so conspicuous for parts and learning as macaulay puts it that is indeed a distinction mr quayle bowed slightly in his comfortable corner a thousand thanks louisa he murmured i would not breathe a syllable of this to any of the others she continued you know how the girls chatter alicia i am sorry to say is as bad as any of them they would discuss the question without intermission simply you know talk the whole thing to death oh poor thing yet after all what thing the young man inquired urbanely lady louisa bit her lip he was very irritating while she was very much in earnest it was her misfortune usually to be a good deal in earnest well there is constance she remarked somewhat abruptly oh precisely there is poor dear innocent rather foolish little connie it occurred to me we might be coming to that in his turn mr quayle fell silent and contemplated the reeling landscape pasture had given place to wide stretches of dark moorland on either side the railway line with a pallor of sour bog grasses in the hollows the outlook was uncheerful perhaps it was that which caused the young man to shake his head i recognise the brilliancy of the conception louisa it reflects credit upon your imagination and your daring he said presently but you won't be able to work it oh and pray why not almost snapped lady louisa mr quayle settled himself back in his corner again his handsome face was all sweetness indulgent though argumentative he was nothing clearly unless reasonable well personally i am extremely fond of dicky calmady he began 
i permit myself honestly i do moments of enthusiasm regarding him i should esteem the woman lucky who married him yet i could imagine a prejudice might exist in some minds minds of a less emancipated and finely comprehensive order than yours and my own of course against such an alliance take my father's mind for instance and unhappily my father dotes on connie and he is more obstinate than nineteen dozen well i leave you to fill in the comparison mentally louisa it might be slightly wanting in filial respect to put it into words again he shook his head in pensive solemnity i give you credit for prodigious push and tenacity for a remarkable capacity of generalship in short yet i cannot disguise from myself the certainty that you would never square my father but suppose she wishes it herself papa would deny connie nothing the other objected she was obliged to raise her voice to a point of shrillness hardly compatible with the dignity of the noble house of fallowfield doublé with all the gold of all the barkings for the train was banging over the points and roaring between the platforms of a local junction mr quayle made a deprecating gesture and put his hands over his ears and again gently shook his head intimating that no person possessed either of nerves or self-respect could be expected to carry on a conversation under existing conditions lady louisa desisted but as soon as the train passed into the comparative quiet of the open country she took up her parable again and took it up in a tone of authority of course i admit there's something to get over it would be ridiculous not to admit that and i am always determined to be perfectly straightforward i detest humbug of any kind so i do not deny for a moment that there is something still it would be a very good marriage for constance a very good marriage indeed even papa must acknowledge that money position age everything of that kind in its favour one could not expect to have all that without some make-weight i should not regret it for i feel it might really be bad for connie to have so much without some make-weight and i remarked yesterday i could not help remarking it that she was very much occupied about sir richard carmody oh, connie is a little goose mr quayle permitted himself to remark and for once there was quite a sour edge to his sweetness oh connie is not quick she is not sensitive his sister continued and really under all the circumstances that perhaps is just as well but she is a good child and would believe almost anything you told her she has an affectionate and obedient disposition and she never attempts to think for herself i don't believe it would ever occur to her to object to his his peculiarities unless some mischievous person suggested it to her and then as i tell you i remarked she was very much occupied about him once again mr quayle sought counsel of the landscape which once again had changed in character for here civilization began to trail her skirts very visibly and the edges of those skirts were torn and frayed notably unhandsome the open moorland had given place to flat market gardens and leafless orchards sloppy with wet innumerable cabbages innumerable stunted black-branched apple and pear trees avenues of dilapidated pea and bean-sticks reeled away to right and left 
the semi-suburban towns stretch forth long rawly red arms of ugly little jerry-built streets and terraces tall chimneys and unlovely gasometers these last showing as collections of some monstrous spawn rose against the opaque sky a sky rendered momentarily more opaque dirtier and more dingy by the masses of london smoke hanging along the eastern horizon usually ludovic knew his own mind clearly enough the atmosphere of it was very far from being hazy now that atmosphere bore annoying resemblance to the opacity obtaining overhead and along the eastern horizon the young man's sympathies or were they his prejudices had a convenient habit of ranging themselves immediately on one side or other of any question presenting itself to him but in the present case they were mixed they pulled both ways and this vexed him for he liked to suppose himself very ripe cynical and disillusioned while in good truth sentiment had more than a word to say in most of his opinions and decisions now sentiment ruled him strongly and pushed him but unfortunately in diametrically opposite directions the sentiment of friendship compelled him hitherward while another sentiment which he refused to define he recognised it as wholesome yet he was a trifle ashamed of it compelled him quite otherwhere he took refuge in an adroit begging of the question after all are you not committing the fundamental error of reckoning without your host louisa he inquired connie may be a good deal occupied about comedy but thereby may only give further proof of her own silliness i certainly discovered no particular sign of comedy being occupied about connie he was very much more occupied about the fair cousin helen de valorbe than about any one of us my illustrious self included as far as i could see in her secret soul his hearer had to own this statement just but she kept the owning to herself and with a rapidity upon which she could not help congratulating herself instituted a flanking movement oh you hear all the gossip ludovic she said of course it's no good my asking mr barking about that sort of thing even if he heard it he would not remember it his mind is too much occupied if a woman marries a man with large political interests she must just give herself to them generously it is very interesting and one feels of course one is helping to make history but still one has to sacrifice something i hear next to nothing of what is going on the gossip i mean and so tell me what do you hear about her about madame de valorbe oh at first hand only that which you must know perfectly well yourself my dear louisa didn't you sit opposite to her at luncheon yesterday that she is a vastly good-looking and attractive woman oh at second hand then at second hand oh at second hand i know various amiable little odds and ends such as are commonly reported by the uncharitable and censorious ludovic answered mildly probably more than half of these little treasures are pure fiction generated by envy and conceived by malice oh pray ludovic his sister exclaimed but she recovered herself and added you may as well tell me all the same i think under the circumstances it would be better for me to hear you really wish to hear 
well i give it to you for what it's worth i don't vouch for the truth of a single item for all we can tell nice kind friends may be recounting kindred anecdotes of alicia and the blameless winterbottom or even of you louisa and mr barking mr quayle fixed a glance of surpassing graciousness upon his sister as he uttered these agreeable suggestions and fervid curiosity alone enabled her to resist the rejoinder and to maintain a dignified silence well it is said and this probably is true that she never cared two straws for de Velorbe, but was jockeyed into the marriage just as you might jockey constance you know louisa by her mother who has the reputation of being a somewhat frisky matron with a keen eye to the main chance she is not quite all i understand a tender heart could desire in the way of a parent it is further said that la belle Hélène makes the dollars fly even more freely than did de Valorbe in his best days and he has the credit of having been somewhat of a viveur he knew not only his paris but his baden-baden and his naples and various other warm corners where great and good men do commonly congregate it is added that la belle Hélène already gives promise of being playful in other ways besides that of expenditure and that de Valorbe has been heard to lament openly that he is not a native of some enlightened country in which the divorce court charitably intervenes to sever over hard connubial knots in short it is rumoured that de Valorbe is not a conspicuous example of the wildly happy husband in short she is not respectable but the young man held up his hands and cried out feelingly oh don't pray don't my dear louisa let us walk delicately as agag my father's morning ministrations to the maids again for how as i pointed out just now do we know what insidious little tales may not be in circulation regarding yourself and those nearest and dearest to you ludovic quayle turned his head and once again looked out of the window his beautiful mouth visited by a slightly malicious smile the train was sliding onward above crowded sordid courts and narrow alleys festering as it seemed with a very plague of poverty-stricken and unwholesome humanity here the line runs parallel to the river sullen to-day blotted with black floats and lines of grimy barges which straining smoke-vomiting steam-tugs towed slowly against a strong flowing tide on the opposite bank the heavy masses of the abbey the long decorated façade and towers of the houses of parliament stood out ghostly and livid in a gleam of frail unrelated sunshine against the murk of the smoky sky i should have supposed sir richard carmody was steady lady louisa remarked inconsequently and rather stiffly ludovic really was exasperating steady oh perfectly poor dear chap he hasn't had much chance of being anything else as yet still of course lady carmody would prefer his being settled clearly it would be much better in every way all things considered he is certainly one of the people who should marry young and connie would be an excellent marriage for him excellent thoroughly suitable better really than on the face of it he could hope for oh, ludovic just look out please and see if the carriage is here 
pocock always loses her head at a terminus and misses the men-servants oh yes there's frederick with his back to the train looking the wrong way of course he really is too stupid mr quayle however succeeded in attracting the footman's attention and assisted by that functionary and the lean and anxious pocock her arms full of bags and umbrellas conveyed his sister out of the railway carriage and into the waiting brougham she graciously offered to put him down at his rooms in st james's place on her way to the barking mansion in albert gate but the young man declined that honour good-bye louisa he said leaning his elbows on the open window of the brougham and thereby presenting the back view of an irreproachably cut overcoat and trousers to the passers-by i have to thank you for a most interesting and instructive journey your efforts to secure the prosperity of the family are wholly praiseworthy i commend them i have a profound respect for your generalship still pauper though i am i am willing to lay you a hundred to one in golden guineas that you will never square papa subsequently the young man bestowed himself in a hansom and rattled away in the wake of the barking equipage down the objectionably steep hill which leads from the roar and turmoil of the station into the waterloo bridge road hmm, i might have offered heavier odds he said to himself for never never will she square papa and not without a light sense of shame he was conscious that he made this reflection with a measure of relief end of chapter ten of book three